Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Where are we with Brexit at this present moment in time? The DUP suggesting that further work is needed if indeed there is to be any form of Brexit agreement. They've been meeting on a regular basis with Boris Johnson. They've been in and out of the House uh, more often than the postman because they were there uh, last night. They were there the night before, so the second night in a row. And there's a lot of speculation, of course, that a deal is close. You listen to one source, oh, it's very close. And then you listen to another. Oh, don't count your chickens. No, 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 this isn't going to happen. Now, Arlene Foster, uh, the leader of the DUP, of course, has uh, said that the DUP, I think the term was, would be sticking to their principles. Sticking to their principles. Uh, Let me speak to uh, Ben Lowry from the newsletter. Ben, good morning. Good morning. Uh, Ben, when she says sticking to our principles and Northern Ireland must remain in the UK Customs Union, it looks like as if the squaring of the circle is proving to be very difficult. Well, I think the astonishing thing in this is that the DUP hasn't already rejected it. I think the astonishing thing is that we've got this far. Remember, um, after the Tory conference a couple of weeks ago, the um, DUP um, agreed essentially to a regulatory border in the Irish Sea. That's checks and standards of goods. That's different from customs, which is tariffs. Um, And that was itself a really big... um, concession and you know there is a case to be made that um they maybe should have been more upfront about that and they might have got more of the credit for it but it went very down very badly and now boris johnson clearly as the eu wanted is moving further and there's this very complicated customs proposal but the fact that the dup hasn't shot it down shows you the massive pressure that they're under boris johnson himself is under huge pressure he's trapped um he he's set up this october 31st thing so much in the recent months that even if he leaves on november the 30th um it will begin to look really bad um so he really wants a deal the dup wants a deal because it doesn't want no deal and if you add those two things together it doesn't put you in a great negotiating place what bit of that customs union plan seems to be the difficulty when, when we're talking about the plan? Goods entering Northern Ireland would face customs and regulatory checks on the Irish Sea to allow them to move eventually freely on to the Republic and therefore on to, on to Europe. Uh, the British and EU officials, they would collect tariffs for the EU at ports in Northern Ireland and send send that back to Brussels. You'd be collecting the tariffs 
if, for example, two cars were coming in, one was going on to Dundalk, there'd be tariffs, the other was staying in Northern Ireland, there wouldn't be, and importers would have to claim a rebate because that's what they would have to do if it was remaining in Northern Ireland, a rebate where British tariffs were lower than those set by by the EU. Where, where Where is the difficulty for the DUP in that? Is it simply because Northern Ireland seems different from the rest of the UK? Well, the first thing about it is that it's a very complicated process and it's clearly a process that's going to um, uh, have a, a big element of burden for businesses. Um, but I think that if I, if I can answer your question two ways. First of all, how would that be good for um, any possible unionist? Well, by staying in the UK customs territory, by the fact that ultimately um, Northern Ireland, presumably this is going to be a key thing, is that the DUP will be able to say that if the UK strikes trade deals, Northern Ireland will be part of it. Um, uh, That kind of thing. Uh, Then you can say, well, we're in the UK, there is this extra administrative burden, um, but the key thing is that we're not in the EU customs code. But the problem is, the the simple fact of the matter is that not only will there be these checks on regulations, checks on the standards of goods, there will be tariffs payable in the Irish Sea. Um, EU tariffs payable in the Irish Sea. That you then reclaim. And that means that the, that, 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 the, that the border between Northern Ireland and Great Britain is a very pronounced border uh, in order to make sure that there is no border at all on the island of Ireland. Now, I would argue that if uh, there is a unionist argument that, that I think is quite a strong one, is that while it was the right thing for the uh, British state, for London, for the UK government to say a border on the island of Ireland, nobody wants that. If there was a really major border on the island of Ireland, it would not be a good thing. And there are very few unionists who want that. I mean, I'm speaking to you from Dublin, and last night I drove down the motorway. Does anybody seriously want not to be able to make uh, um, a movement like that easily? Um, there are probably a tiny number of hardcore loyalists who would be quite happy with some sort of trench at the border. But in the 21st century, there's not very many people like that. But what the British government did in order to keep the border open, it pledged that it wouldn't even have CCTV. There's some quite serious polling which shows that nationalists, very few nationalists would be bothered by CCTV. So in order to make sure that this border is completely open, we're now into the situation that there is going to be short of the UK returning to the European Union, a very significant border in the Irish Sea. And when we listen to the national news and they're explaining it to the audience that are only half interested in or half interested in Ireland or about half interested in listening to anything about the island of Ireland. I've heard them last night say that for all intents and purposes, this is a form of backstop similar to what Theresa May had. Is that, is that careless reporting or is that accurate reporting? Well, um, I think, I think the, 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 not only is the backstop itself complicated, the backstop is something that changed. There was an original backstop in December 2017. Then Arlene Foster phoned uh, Theresa May. Then there was the revised backstop that included a Stormont lock. 
Um, and then in the withdrawal agreement, there was no, which is really the final version of the backstop um, in the legislation, there was no Stormont lock, but there was a, an attempt to make it UK-wide so that it didn't apply to Northern Ireland. Yes, we are now in a situation that whether or not you call this a backstop um, uh, is, 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 is a, a moot point, that we are into an arrangement that will be Northern Ireland-specific so that Great Britain uh, can leave the European Union more clearly. And this is the risk that was always going to happen, which is that the more moderate Tories, uh, the Theresa Mays and so on, would be, I mean, Tim Farron's talking about the risk to the union, would be wanting it to be, uh, you know, soft UK-wide, and that the more hardline English nationalist wing would be thinking, well, we've just got to get out of the European Union. And that is what is happening, is that obviously Boris Johnson, a lot of his support comes from uh, an element of English nationalism that is not really going to be that bothered about Northern Ireland. I think if you're a unionist, you could maybe look at it from a slightly optimistic point of view, not very optimistic, but slightly optimistic point of view and say, it's astonishing this didn't happen three years ago. That um, Middle England uh, wanting Brexit didn't say, well, we're not having Northern Ireland hold us up. I mean, Northern Ireland has held up the whole of Europe for three years. Um, it's a fluke of history. Nobody intended this. Nobody, very few people thought through that this would happen. But um, a 500 million block, which does want a deal, and a country of approaching 70 million is being held up because of the complications about the Northern Irish border, and it's not going to hold it up much longer. Well, only time will tell. Ben, thank you very much indeed for your insight from Dublin this morning. The Deputy Editor of the newsletter, Ben uh, Lowry. Um, Tom Tom Kelly uh, is often writing in the Irish News and he's with us on the line. Uh, Tom, listening to Ben's analysis there, uh, the, the DUP aren't for bending on this. Well, uh, I would start at his last point. Uh, I think Ben and myself have been amazed that Northern Ireland has been allowed to hold up uh, a significant deal between the European Union of 500 million and Britain of nearly 70 million. Uh, and, uh, you know, I'm surprised that people didn't put more pressure on. But you could see the signs, Frank, because the ERG were proposing stuff until the DUP got on to them. The, you know, people were trying to be more flexible. Rhys Mogg voted for the withdrawal deal. So did Boris. They know Northern Ireland is a sticking block. And for them, it's delivering a Brexit that is recognised by English voters. So whatever deal they do in relation to Northern Ireland, as far as they're concerned, there'll be no electoral consequences in Britain for it. Uh, they're quite confident that they can come up with a wording that uh, Northern Ireland's constitutional position is not under threat. Uh, I think the DUP, an Arden said last night, we're in negotiations, we're not going to say much more, but we're sticking to our principles. There's no doubt that there will be a huge, and I mean extraordinarily huge, financial package offered to Northern Ireland, which will make it very difficult uh, for the DUP to walk away from given the crumbling infrastructure in Northern Ireland between water and health and education and transit looking for $3 billion. Uh, so if they're giving that kind of uh, assurances that they'll get that money, uh, that is going to make it very, very difficult to walk away from. And they talk about the economic integrity of Northern Ireland, but the economic stability of Northern Ireland is threatened by a hard deal, uh, a no-deal Brexit. And that has real implications for jobs. And we saw how close things came to the edge in East Belfast and in, 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 in Antrim and how much pressure our manufacturing businesses are actually under. So 
it's it's big it's big gambling stakes here. I imagine that we, they will come up with a form of words which will be a customs union of sorts within the framework of the United Kingdom. Uh, and yes, it'll be slightly different to what's going on anywhere else, but then we always have been slightly different. And I suppose the other thing, Frank, is the DUP are under severe pressure from their grassroots to get back into Stormont to stop abortion. You saw the, the Protestant churches coming out and there's the Catholic church coming out. And it, uh, you've seen a massive campaign on, on the ground. And, and these are core votes that they cannot do without as they face a general election. So the DUP can make moves that will win over farmers, they can make moves that will win over uh, people who are, are pro-life, but can they, can they take steps that are going to ensure that they're not sniped at by the likes, for example, of the TUV and the eloquence of Jim Allister? And then riding on on the back of that, uh, p- people from uh, other areas within unionism, within loyalism, who will be out to snipe at them that the DUP sold out. Well, let's look at the track record here. I mean, through the SIF funds, uh, loyalist communities uh, benefited very much from the DUP being in government. And I, I can't see them uh, cutting off their nose despite their face. As for Jim Allister, he's a bit of a one-man band and has been now for nearly 15, 16 years. They've made no significant inroads into the DUP. Yes, uh, he's very eloquent and he can come out and he will certainly put them under a lot of pressure, pressure verbally. But like, what are the alternatives on the unionist side if you're a unionist voter? Uh, and, you know, when you look at the middle ground being gone after by the Alliance Party, uh, you know, if, you, if, you, if you're a unionist voter in, in East Belfast or North Antrim, the DUP is probably still your best bet. So you could be voting for them through gritted teeth because there aren't any real alternatives. Do, do you worry, however, about street protests similar to the flag protest? Or is that just part and parcel of Northern Ireland? That will happen and that will disappear. It will happen and it will fizzle out. I mean, like Frank, you and I are old enough to remember the 1985 uh, protests against the Anglo-Irish Agreement. And it was a quarter of a million people outside City Hall. You're never going to see those kind of crowds before. Uh, and yet, you know, a, a Tory government ignored it and, and proceeded on. And I think unionism has learned greatly from that. Now, whether or not some other people have learned uh, is a completely different thing. But I, I imagine that, you know, it is part and parcel of the fabric of Northern Ireland that will be protests. But those protests will not be that widespread. And a bit like the frag protests, they're going to be very heavily concentrated in, in areas in Belfast. Tom, thank you very much for your input this morning. Thank you to Ben Laurie as well. I want to speak to Dr. Esmond Burney about this because he's always keeping an eye on the figures, senior economist at Ulster University. Esmond Burney, good morning. Good morning, Frank. Uh, A customs deal between the EU and UK could see tariffs collected on EU's behalf on goods arriving by sea into Northern Ireland. And you're putting a figure here of what it could cost, 500 million. Explain the figures for me, please. Okay, well, every year, roughly 10 billion or 10,000 million pounds worth of goods are sent from Great Britain to Northern Ireland, largely, of course, by sea. Some might come by air. If there was a customs arrangement whereby Northern Ireland was obliged to apply European Union tariffs against those goods, and that seems to be, although we'll have to wait till this afternoon perhaps, the direction we're going in in terms of negotiations, a tariff would be, a tax would be applied on that, increasing the price of those goods once they've arrived in Northern Ireland. Now, it's hard to be precise about the scale of that tariff or tax, but as a sort of indicative, reasonable assumption, I thought roughly 5%, because 
manufactured goods are less than 5% tariff, but as we well know now, um, agri-food products tend to be much above, uh, sometimes 25, 50% above. So I thought 5% was reasonable. So 5% of 10.5 billion, it works out at 500 million pounds per annum. Now, importantly, um, it seems what the UK government may be thinking about is an arrangement whereby Northern Ireland is liable to pay that tax, but then it would be rebated or paid back to the businesses involved. Now, the point uh, that some of us would like to make is that that sounds all very well in principle, and there may or may not be ways of sort of speeding up the transfers of money. Uh, but if if there's any time gap between paying the tariff up front and then recouping the money, uh, businesses are out of pocket, it affects their cash flow, and indeed, um, it seems to me this system could be very difficult to administer. So there will be costs to the government, to uh, the UK government, to set it all up, to set up the administration, and there will be some costs to businesses in order to work through the system. They'll have to put a certain proportion of their administrative staff into filling up the relevant forms or doing the IT work and so on and so forth. Is there a possibility that because of that, it gives an excuse for people to put prices up? Uh, I I think it's it's not only an excuse. I think it's a very strong likelihood. So... um, the business in, let's say, England, which is perhaps sending food products over to a supermarket in Belfast or Lurgan or wherever, um, they will tend to uh, pass all the tariff cost to uh, the wholesaler in Northern Ireland. And they, in turn, would pass it on to the supermarket, the shop. And they, in turn, would probably pass it on to all of us as customers. And would we be the only... If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. 
lucky ones not getting the Unless, rebate. Unless, of course, the rebate system works very well. But as I say, I'm not wholly convinced it'll work speedily and efficiently and costlessly. So I think there will be some implication for prices in shops. Well, is there not some economic scaremongering going on there, Dr. Burney? If you consider that the, the, mm-hmm. the, 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 the people who seem like as if they're at the end of the firing line are the consumers. No, I, I don't think this is scaremongering. This, the, the, see, this is how tariffs affect the general economy. Ultimately, they do tend to push prices up, particularly prices for the final consumers, which are, in a sense, all of us at our everyday life. So uh, what at first glance seems a very sort of technical and dry and uh, remote discussion about customs unions and uh, the arrangements in the long term between the United Kingdom and the European Union actually affect the price of our grocery basket on a weekly basis. Can, can you see any advantages in the system? Well, the, the, the chief advantage that would be claimed for it is that whereas, and I stress that this is all based on where we think the negotiations are at, we, we don't yet obviously see the, the outcome, we may see that today perhaps, but the, the chief advantage which will be claimed for it is that yes, there are these sorts of disruptions to the movement of goods from Great Britain to Northern Ireland. But if Northern Ireland is part of the customs union and indeed continues to keep the same regulations or rule book for the standards of products as the Irish Republic and the rest of the European Union, 27 countries, then we, we have more or less free, frictionless, as before movement of, of goods in a very easy way from Northern Ireland to the Republic of Ireland and back again. So that's the advantage to the business community and indeed obviously there's a certain advantage to us as consumers to the extent that um, we are, we're importing and buying goods which, whose origin is in the Irish Republic or the EU27. But it is important to note that the flow of goods coming into Northern Ireland from the Republic of Ireland and the rest of the European Union is smaller than that that comes in from Great Britain. So I think at an economic level, regardless of obviously there's a political dimension to this, there's a sense in which, yes, uh, these proposals are trying to ensure the open border with the Republic. And in many ways, that's a good thing. But the, the downside is... It, it's looking increasingly likely that we won't have that open, uh, free relationship with the rest of the UK economy, and there will be a disruptive price of goods in your grocery basket type effect from that. It would work, however, if, as the Federation of Small Businesses hope, that the system would be such that the tariff and the rebate would actually happen immediately, just in one swift transaction. That would be what the computer does for you. Yeah, I I see that's what they've suggested. Well, I I hope they're right. Um, A lot depends on how quickly and with what ease and with what efficiency some sort of electronic system, digital system uh, for product clearance could be set up by the UK government. Um, and even setting that system up, will it will it cost some money? So it's not as though this will be without cost. So um, 
I, I, I could see the theory of what they're suggesting. It would be, it's, it's good if this could happen, but I, I'm not wholly convinced that the system, at least in the short run, would be as smooth, uh, as instantaneous, as it were, as painless as, as is being suggested there. Okay, uh, Esmond, thank you very much indeed. Dr. Esmond uh, Burney, his take on what might be the outcome of the plan, uh, the plan that we're thinking might be the plan. Uh, he's a senior economist at the Ulster University, looking at it as uh, economists tend to in the real world. I'll get another economist online very, very shortly, uh, a man who's um, been an economics expert all through my working life, and uh, he'll be giving an overview on where we are with the position at the moment. Uh, Jamie Delon- Delargy's going to join us after this. Jamie Delargy joins us now. He's been listening to Dr. Esmond Burney on the programme. Morning, Jamie. Good morning, Frank. So if we're collecting tariffs over here and we're getting rebates, is it possible for it all to happen in one transaction? Or could the delay on the rebate drive up the price for the housewife or house husband? Well, before I answer that, can can I make a point that... um, We are really talking about two choices here um, because at this stage, this seems to be the only possible deal in town that uh, that we can reach. Um, And if we don't get that, then it's a no deal. And no deal is... um, is interpreted by economists as a disaster, an economic disaster for Northern Ireland. So it's not as if it's between this um, this particular deal with the, the complicated system of tariff payments and then rebates and uh, uh, as you go. And, and you wonder, you know, people who have been promoting Brexit, um, you might they, you, they might have to explain why they've got us to a position where we have to choose between this you know, uh, complicated system, as I've described it there, and a no-deal Brexit economic disaster, uh, we could have been uh, in a happy place where we were facing no tariffs and no no deal, um, and that uh, goods would flow not just between uh, GB and uh, Northern Ireland uh, smoothly, but also between uh, uh, Northern Ireland and the South and indeed the rest of the UK, uh, the rest of the EU. So, you know, we no one who is um, supporting uh, staying within the EU ever wanted to be in this position. This is probably the, as it looks like, the least worst option, and certainly is the option that the EU is seems to be seriously considering um, and willing to go with currently. So that that's the main point. Now it's a question about I think Esmond's burn Esmond as concern was the slowness of the payment of the rebates so it would be out this um, tariff payment up front and then um, it, it might it might because of the machinery of government it might be very slow to recover that payment I, I uh, the, the, the one point to be made about that I, I couldn't say with confidence that the, the government would organise it very efficiently initially certainly but over a period of time uh, they presumably would be able to do these things more quickly um, and, and it perhaps wouldn't be the, the burden that uh, Dr Burney is uh, suggesting it might be. The other thing about it is he's mentioned a figure of half a billion there. Um, uh, uh, that would be a figure accumulated over a period of time. I'm, I, I'm not quite clear exactly how long because um, I, I can't remember whether he said that's over a period of a year. But n- naturally, you wouldn't be out that in any case. It is. It is. That he's talking about an accumulation of of. Um, 
uh, tariff payments uh, over a particular period. Well, you know, you wouldn't be out that on day one. And over a period of time, you would be paying uh, tariffs and getting rebates. So the actual um, um, downside for the companies uh, in terms of uh, this cash being out of the business and waiting to get to get it back wouldn't be an accumulated uh, half a billion as far as I as far as I would understand his argument. I think he may be suggesting it was over a year, but I'm not entirely sure. Yeah, it's over a but, year that he's talking about. Well then, but you know, you wouldn't uh, th- th- that would be a complete disaster if you, you, you paid this money out and you were down, that Northern Ireland collectively importers were down half a billion pounds and got the money on December the 31st, but it wouldn't be like that. I mean, if, it would be it would be paid presumably fairly quickly, maybe a week, two weeks, so it wouldn't rise up to the figure that, that, that sounds very alarming. Um, but the other thing is... Yes, but he's basing that on a percentage, so it's, five, it's, 500, it's 500 million well, a, a year. Yes, a, yeah. a year. But yeah. the point was, you the importers wouldn't be down that on day one. They would be down a proportion of that. Um, um, over a month, to be down a twelfth of that figure. And they would maybe the next month get it all back. So they would never be down... 500 million at any particular time, if you if you see what I mean. They would be paying the, re, the the tariffs and getting the rebates at the same time. There might be a delay between the two, which means it would be out money, but it wouldn't be 500 million pounds. And do you uh, think the, the Federation of Small Businesses who hope that it would work as part of one swift transaction, that they are looking at pie in the sky? Well, I mean, they... they I don't think so. Um, the tariff and the case. rebate happening at exactly the same press on the on the computer. Well, that that that, that might be a, a bit idealistic, um, but uh, there there may be a cash flow problem for companies which, well, yes, paid the tariff and then we're waiting for the rebate to come through. But the fact of the matter is that, uh, as I understand it, the there is some talk of some sort of assistance for Northern Ireland. Now, what you could do is that you could say, look, the reality is, no matter what was promised, the system is not working perfectly, and companies are out at any one time. They're out, you know, let's say ten thousand pounds on average, which is quite a substantial number uh, figure and would be uh, burdensome. That they would then that, that they would be insulated from that by some by some form of support from Stormont, um, which they would have secured from from the Treasury. So you know there are ways around this. And if the e if the UK, remember this would be the UK, this would be London signing up to this. They would have to ensure that Northern Ireland would be penalised. But can I just bring us back to what's the alternative? A no-deal Brexit, an economic disaster. Um, tariffs been paid as, as, as people move their goods from from Northern Ireland across the border. Uh, uh, you know, whereas they're not facing any today. Uh, so you know, they're, 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 let's let's say it. It's not an ideal situation, and none of us would have complete confidence that the government would operate this new system um, as efficiently as we would want. But the, but there but but. You know, we didn't have to be in this. We didn't have to be in this scenario. Um, and it was those people who, who voted for Brexit have landed us in it. So I, 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 no, I, I wouldn't say hand and heart, this is going to work smoothly. The companies are hardly going to notice a difference. They'll pay the tariff and, and five minutes later the rebate will arrive. That, mm. that, that seems a bit absurd. Mm. There will be delays and people will be out money. But I don't, it, won't be an, an, it doesn't necessarily have to be on a massive scale and it doesn't have to be... The delays don't have to be that great if we organise system. And if there are delays, then surely there could be some form of working capital provided to those companies to allow them to 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 be in the position where they 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 are currently, where they're not down any 
they're not down tariffs and they're not waiting for rebates, but they're happily moving their goods across the, the EU without any form of payment of one kind or another. What do you say, Jamie, to people who are shouting at the radio now that a no-deal Brexit would be fine? Just get out. No deal. We've had many of them contribute uh, to this programme over the last uh, few years, and they do believe that no deal and WTO and all of that would be the way to go through off the shackles and just go as the, the British are well capable of uh, doing. Uh, what, what, do you, what, do you, what do you say to those people? Because you've been damning off a, a no-deal Brexit. It's not that long ago that people are saying, oh, the, the pound will be through the floor and whatever, and the like the pound, the pound against the euro is eighty seven p. You know what I mean? It's 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 there haven't yes. been dramatic, but that, drastic changes. Yeah, yeah, but the the, the pound uh, the pound is weaker than it really should be. The pound has been moving steadily up, and yes, and it's interesting, isn't it? The pound there, um, um, you know, the euro was worth ninety p, um, and it has like north of ninety p, and now. It's worth eighty-seven p. Yeah, the euro. The, the euro. I think I said the pound, but the euro. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, the yeah. euro. The, yeah. uh, but the pound is uh, sorry. Euro was worth ninety p. Uh, was worth ninety p. And as the prospects. But of yesterday the, it was at eighty-seven. Uh, I'm not sure what it's up this morning. Yes. Well, it's, it was at eighty-seven, and the fact. And why is it? Why has the? Why is the 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 pound uh, strengthening against um, uh, against the euro? The reality is that there is a, a, a deal in prospect. So, so it's not just economists wittering on and saying it's going to be a disaster. The fact of the matter is the markets, and we ascribe a, a sort of sense to them, a collective wisdom to them, and they're saying now the, the, um, there is a prospect of a deal, and we think this is much, much better for the UK economy, and therefore the pound is strengthening. Um, because when you'd look at it, just to, you know, you had to pay 90p to get a euro. Now you're having to pay 87p. It could well be that that'll go down to 85p. So that is the pound strengthening against um, against because you're because obviously you're paying less to get your euro. That's a pound strengthening. Now the fact of the matter is that that's the, the markets collectively have taken a view that. The, a deal is good and that no deal is bad uh, because the pound was weakening. Uh, uh, the more the people talked about no deal, the more the pound weakened. So you can say, well, the economists don't know what they're talking about, but then you have to think these people who have invested all their money in the markets, they uh, are not they are not wishful thinkers. They're people, hard-headed individuals, men and women, and they believe a deal is is good for, for, for the UK and for Northern Ireland by implication, and therefore a no deal is after. So you have to begin to think it's not just the economists, it's not these people these people they're, 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 you know, sitting in their ivory towers who, who don't know what's going on, but it's actually those who um, are those hard-headed individuals who are dealing in currency who have now thought a deal's approaching gosh, with the pound we, we're going to start uh, buying pounds which, which, which strengthens the pound so, you know, it's, 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 it's yeah, yes um, economists completely not well, not not necessarily all of them, but but most of them got the financial crisis wrong. And people say experts don't know what they're. Then um, they now they move to this position where no expert knows anything. Well, I'd rather uh, have a bridge designed by an engineer than somebody who says, "Well, I don't know anything about it. I'm not an expert. See, you, don't, you, know, you don't have to get these qualifications. These economists, likewise, they know nothing. They've done all this study, but they know nothing. Um, I, I believe a no deal is going to be a great. It's going to be great for us. Which is not to say that over a period of time that people can accommodate themselves to a new situation and yes we would do deals 
with the rest of the the world uh, as, a, as an, an economy and we would then start to see things improve. But it's in between time. It's in the meantime, in between time, how, does that, how, how bad it could be for the UK economy. And a lot of people think it, a no deal would be very bad. They might be wrong, but, but it isn't just that that view isn't restricted to a few uh, economists who, who don't know anything about the real world. Jamie, thank you very much indeed. Jamie DeLarge's take on where we are at this moment in time. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.